welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. There's something special happening right here. Amen. You don't have to look very far to figure that out. And I'm just glad to be a little bitty small part of it. And I'm grateful for this opportunity tonight to be here in Easley, South Carolina with my friend, Chad Campbell. We tried this last year. I, I was supposed to be in this conference and I had a health issue. We've had a little health issue this year. I had a little throat surgery in July and just kind of coming back from that. But God's been good to us and we're grateful for it. And I just want to say to you tonight, you have a wonderful pastor. You are blessed beyond measure. You know, the pulpits today are occupied by passionless pontificating professors who have turned the crisis room into a classroom. But you have a man of God here tonight that preaches God's word, and you don't have to look around this room to figure that out. And Chad, I want to tell you, I love you and Stacy. Thank you all so much for being our friends and allowing me to be here in this last, I guess, meeting of the night. I guess y'all will find out in a minute. I don't know. I don't do jokes very well because I'm, I'm the most uncool person you ever met in your life. But I will tell you this one. I kind of feel like the little seven-year-old boy who'd not spoken a word for seven years. He was completely silent. And one morning, his mother came in and put his breakfast down on the table, and there's a piece of burned toast on the top. He picked that toast up and said, what's this all about? And she said, you can talk. You've been seven years and hadn't said a word. What in the world? Why today? Why did you decide to say something? He said, well, because it's all been pretty good up until now. So <laughs> everything's been pretty good up until right now, and I hope I don't change that course tonight. I love you, church. Thank you all. Man, this feels like a camp meeting tonight. This is like the old days, like being about a 10-year-old boy sitting over on the side watching Things happen like you see tonight, and that's special because, again, it's like Mike said, it's not happening everywhere, but it's happening here, and you'd be grateful for it. That's a grace gift. That's the, that's the hand of God moving in your midst, and you can be grateful for that. Take your Bible tonight and be finding the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number six. Deuteronomy, chapter number six, where for a moment tonight, I want to preach a message and speak to your hearts, and I would ask that you give me your hearts over these next few moments, and I want to speak to the families in this room. I want to speak to the fathers. I want to speak to God's men right here tonight, because here's what I can tell you. I've pastored not long, but long enough to know this. If real revival is going to come in the church, it must first come in the home, and for it to come in the home, it must happen in the Father. And I, this message will be for everyone tonight, but I'm going to focus primarily for a moment on the Father, because I believe you hold the power tonight to lead your family to do great things for God. Understand this, men, tonight. Your children, your wife, your home will follow you wherever you lead them. They'll follow you to hell or they'll follow you to heaven. Either way, they'll follow you. And I would say tonight, never has there been a day, never has there been a time for us to come back to the truths, the fundamentals of the Word of God. Because here's what I can tell you. We're here tonight, and you've been here all this week. We're here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. But what I can tell you is this. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, there is a culture 
that is after the minds of our children, and they never take a moment off. They never take a day off. They never take a holiday. It is constant. It's a constant bombardment for the minds of this generation to shape them to believe like they believe. So I would say tonight, maybe it's time that we stopped and that we stood up and that we spoke up and spoke the word of God and spoke truth into the lives of our families, into the lives of our church family, that we can stand and be counted faithful in the name and for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's for that tonight from Deuteronomy chapter six that I want to preach on this subject, buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. And if you're able, I'll ask you to stand tonight for the reading of the infallible, inerrant, inspired, invincible, most perfect and powerful and ever settled word of the living God. Amen. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter six, no doubt a passage that if you study the word of God is familiar to you as the command, the instruction of the man Moses to the children before they were about to make that journey into a promised land, but a pagan land. And he said, as you go into that land, he said, it is imperative that you hold a high spiritual standard when you go. You see, that's the same thing for today. When you walk out of these doors tonight, you go wherever God's called you to be in the morning. And the day after that, it's important that God's people hold a high spiritual standard. And that standard can only be found right here in the Word of God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, now these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. The Bible says, here is why, that ye might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Verse 2 says, now watch this carefully, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded thee. And watch this now. Note the progression here. He says, thou or you, he goes on to say, and thy son and thy son's son. So there he lays out four generations. He says, I'm speaking to you. He says, I expect you to speak this into your child, that that child will in turn speak it into his child, who will in turn speak it into his child. That is the progression that God has laid forth. I want to ask you something today, men of God. Are you speaking that truth into your children tonight? The Bible goes on to say in verse two, he says, and all the days of thy life, that watch this, that thy days may be prolonged. Verse three, now notice this. The Bible says, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, or literally it means to greatly multiply. The Bible says, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Buy the truth and sell it not. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, tonight, for what I cannot buy, beg, or borrow, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd move in. God, that you'd arrest our hearts for the next few moments. Lord God, that you would do a great work right here. God, there's somebody here tonight. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll stand upon the threshold of the door of that heart. And Lord, you plead with him, and you persuade him to come. Lord, in a yieldedness, Father, that can be used of you. Lord Jesus, tonight I pray you'll do your greatest work. 
Father, I pray you'll help me, your unworthy servant. Lord, I pray tonight you'll do what only you can do. God, we pray for unction and we pray for the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow in this room tonight that Jesus may be exalted. Lord, we've come tonight for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that's to exalt and magnify the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray tonight you'll do your great work. And God, if there's one here that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Lord, I'm thankful that I came tonight and there's not a tomorrow salvation. It's today. So, Father, I pray you'll do today, Lord, that which you desire to do in someone's life. And God, walk with us now as we walk in your word. And Lord, that you may be lifted up and that you may be glorified. And we'll ask all this to be done in the wonderful, matchless, and marvelous name, which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. you may be seated. Buy the truth and sell it not. There's a war tonight that's being waged, and it's a war for the soul of our culture. When we think about this war that is being waged on the soul of our culture, we ask ourselves a question. Where is the front line of this war? Well, I would tell you very quickly and very carefully that the front line of the war on the soul of the culture is found in the family. And I'm afraid tonight that at the front line of that war for the culture, the casualties are our children. And as we think about that tonight, as the front line is the family and the casualty is the children, this war in reality is as old as the Garden of Eden. It begins with one statement, has God really said? As we think about this war tonight, it is a satanic sabotage that has as its end the diabolical dismantling of our culture and ultimately the children of our culture. Our children tonight are being confronted, they're being challenged, and as a result, they are being conformed. As you think about this pattern of three generations and you think about that truth that was given to you, and I know what people are thinking as we're in this room tonight. You may be back there in a seat saying, well, bless God, preacher, I didn't have a Christian daddy, I didn't have a Christian mama, I sure didn't have a Christian grandmama, and I sure didn't have a Christian granddaddy. Well, let me just get you off the hook right here tonight. All that can begin in you right here, right now. God can do for you tonight what no other power can do. He can raise you up. He can, listen, he can raise you up and cause you to be the voice of righteousness in the family that he has given to you, not only your home family, but your church family. God is still and continues to be in the miracle working business. So just put that aside. Let God speak into your heart tonight and ask him to do that which only he can do. As we think about this three generations, and literally that's what we're dealing with. The first generation, they hold truth as fundamental. It is foundational. It is a faithful thing in their life. But then you get to a second generation, and that first generation that held something as a fundamental and a foundation, it now in the second generation begins to fade, and it starts to fall away, and it begins to fizzle in its nature. Then when you come to that third generation and it, and it gets here as a result, when the first generation really believes something and the second generation begins to fade away from that, what was once a conviction will then turn to a compromise. And when that compromise becomes a regular way of the way you live, whether it's in your secular life or whether it is in your spiritual life, then you begin to see the collapse of the conviction and of the truth that was once held by the, by the first generation. And then comes the third generation. What was then a fundamental that then began to fade, now it falters completely and it falls away. What was once a firm 
foundation is now just a faltering, fleeting idea that was a thought of merely yesterday. I would tell you tonight, the truth that is given to us in the Word of God is a truth tonight that every one of us must come back to, we must reckon with, we must understand that you are living in a world that is filled with deception. There is only one truth, and that truth is found in the perfect, precious Word of the living God. I've come tonight to South Carolina to report to you that there is good news you have in your hand, sitting in that seat tonight, the Bible that you hold, the book that you hide, the one that you have, it is the book, it is the battle plan, it will do for you tonight what nothing else can do when the culture is burning on fire, the word of our God will stand forever. It truly is the answer to the problem of this generation. As we think about this tonight, in this sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses now gives us an instruction. He gives the instruction now to the children of Israel. I don't miss this, but when we think about it, we can really fast forward that to right now and say that which he gave to them. Yes, it was specifically spoken to them, but we can take this truth tonight we can gather our families up. We can get together in our small group. We can get together in our sphere of influence and we can say, how now will this help me to guide and to lead and to spiritually see along those who God has entrusted me with? I will tell you tonight, when you look at the word of God, he is now giving us the instruction as they are about to walk into this pagan land as to how they are to conduct themselves. Again, when the people would enter the promised land, God wanted them to be in a right spiritual condition. How important tonight is it that you and I maintain a standard and a conviction that when people see us, they don't have to wonder, is he a believer? Is she a believer? They attend Mount Pisgah. They attend First Hazelhurst. But are they a real believer? Do they really possess that faith that Brother Stephen talked about last night? I would say to you that faith is found in the firm, founded word of Almighty God. So as we think about that tonight, I just wanna give you three truths that are found right here in this text. We're gonna go line by line. You might wanna underline some things because I'm telling you, this is the prescription. This is the blueprint. As you recognize this is an age, we, let me just say this. We are living in an age of godless, rotten apostasy. You are living in an age where you must test everything by the word of God. And the Bible gives us tonight just how we can do that. I want you to see three things tonight. Number one, I want you to see truth found. Then I want you to see truth, the Bible teaches us, formed. And then I want to show you lastly, truth furthered. Notice what the Bible says, first of all tonight, about truth that is found. There's a great question. What is truth? More than that, where is it found? Pontius Pilate asked the Lord Jesus Christ that. He said, what is truth? Well, we understand tonight that truth is not a creed. Truth is not some idea or philosophy. Truth is not a, listen, it's not a thought that is thought up in religious uh, think tanks. No, listen to that. Truth is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I am the way 
the truth, and the life. So the plan of salvation tonight is not, a, listen, it's not a path. It's not even a plan. It's a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. So as we think about this question tonight, what is truth? Where is truth found? Well, I'll answer it for you very quickly. It's found in and is the word of Almighty God. Oh, yes, it's the wonderful word of God. It's the word of God now, and it's the word of God for all of eternity. What kind of word is it? Well, if you're taking notes, it's a faith. Word. It is a faithful word. Notice what the text says in verse number one. The Bible says, now these are the commandments. You can underline that. These are the commandments. The Bible says, and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord God commanded to teach you. So the Bible gives us the truth. And listen, it locates it for us right away. The Bible says it is, listen, it is in and contained of itself. So we understand this faithful word. First of all, it's an inspired truth that is trusted. It's an inspired truth that is trusted. The Bible says in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 89, forever thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. The Bible says in Psalm 19, 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Oh, I'm telling you, tonight, this book that you hold in your hand is described as water, the water of life. It's described as the seed, the seed of the sower. It's described as a fire. It's described as a hammer. It's described as a sword. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, in verse 12, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And that sword pierces down to you, the Bible says, to the marrow of the bone. That is the deepest part of who a person is. That means the word of God can reach down into the part of you that your neighbor can't see, your spouse can't see, your preacher can't see, and it can open up you and reveal you before the throne of God. That's the powerful word of God. It's an inspired truth that can be trusted. When you open up this lovely book, friend, you've opened up the mind of God. When you open up this book, you've opened up God to your senses. You've allowed him then to come and to speak and to your life. Friend, when you read it, it's not just a novel. It's not just the book of the times. It's the inspired, living, breathing, pulsating word of God. Oh, it's a book of blood. You can cut it anywhere and it bleeds blood. I'm telling you tonight, it is a living, powerful, inspired truth. So when you get down to the cultural ideas of today and I say, well, you know, I'm not sure about this. Just go back to the word of God and you will find the truth that God has laid forth for not only this time, but for all time. He is a wonderful, wonderful Savior. The Bible teaches us tonight that this inspired word is trusted. Notice again in verse one, it says there's the statutes, which is the written law. Then it says there's the judgments, which is, listen, that's what happens if you break the written law. So the Bible gives us this right out of the gate. It's an inspired truth that can be trusted. But notice what else it is. It's an instilled truth that's taught. Look what the Bible says now in verse number one. It says that your God commanded to do what, church? Say it out loud. Oh, y'all got it on the screen. Awesome. That's awesome. If I'd have known that, I'd have been looking up there sooner. Listen, that he, listen the commandments to teach you. The Bible says this. Look, it says that you might go do them in the land that you go to possess. What does that mean? It means it's a spoken truth, but it's also a communicated truth. 
So the Bible says this truth is to be taught to you. The Bible gives a third thing right here. It's not only an instilled truth that's taught, but it's an instructed truth that is timeless. Now, this is very important for the culture in which you're living. This is very important because the winds of the culture are blowing. You're hearing everything. Your children hear more than you hear. And when you hear these things, you've got to come back to the fundamental of just what is right. What, what, what is the truth of the matter? Well, I'm telling you tonight, you'll find the truth of the matter in the word of God. Here's why. Because it has no date. And listen, it has no date on the issues of life. Say amen. amen. It also has no date on the issues of sin. Sin is still sin in the sight of God. Nothing has changed just because the Democrats have changed it. Say amen right there. Nothing has changed tonight because the cultural think tank has changed it. Nothing has changed tonight in the eyes of God because the culture seemingly has said, we'll have nothing to do with God. I will tell you tonight, you're living in a culture where truth is falling in the street. It was literally murdered in the very avenue and square of which you live. And we are, listen, we are reaping that which we have sown, the decisions we have made, and it all comes back to the fundamental question, what is truth? Well, I'm telling you tonight, on the issue of sin, I found, listen, I found that it hadn't got, listen, it hadn't changed in the eyes of God. Let me just say this, I'm not confused. Not a bit. I'm not a bit confused. I've got it, listen, figured out. You say, what do you mean? Friend, listen, marriage is between a man and a woman. The Bible says in Genesis 2, 18, verses 23 and 24. I found it in Ephesians 5, verse 21 through 25. I found it in Colossians 3, in verse 18. I found it in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 7. I found it in Hebrews chapter 13, and verse number 4. Oh yes, when I walked away from the Word of God, I was settled that marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm not confused. I want you to know also, I'm not confused on the issue of homosexuality. In Leviticus chapter 18, and in Romans chapter 1, in Genesis chapter nine, in verse one, I found out the truth of the word of God. I'm not confused. I also found this out while I was looking. I found out that gender is assigned by God. I found that out in Genesis chapter one, in verse 27, and I found it in the gospel of Matthew chapter number 19. So I just want you to know tonight, it is a timeless truth. And it, listen, it will live when time will be no more. I'm telling you tonight, the word of God is a perfect, powerful, trusted word that is truth. Listen, as you think about this tonight, culture may change, but God does not. Therefore, his word does not. It is an everlasting, listen, an everlasting faithful word. But notice, not only is it a faithful word, the Bible says of itself, it is a faithful way. Look what it says now in verse number two. The Bible says now, here's the bottom line, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes, his commandments, watch this, which I commanded thee, thou and thy son, thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. So it's a faithful word, it can be trusted, it is a faithful way. Listen, it can be trod. You understand tonight, as you think about this faithful way, the Bible gives us clear evidence that our life may be prolonged. You understand what that means tonight? It's a prolonged and a prosperous life. Now, it's not the prosperity 
that the blab it and grab it, reach out and get it. Preaching of today is giving you because that's not the Bible. The word of God's prosperity is clear that you and I will prosper in his word. We will prosper in his way when we are prospering in his will. Friend, I'm telling you, when Jesus came, my wants changed, my ways changed, my will changed, and it became what he wants, what he wills, when he wills it. Friend, you find that in the word of God. God's word is a faithful way. It's a faithful way. The Bible gives us a clear look. What does it all hinge on? Friend, listen, look what the Bible says in verse three. Hear therefore, O Israel. Watch this. Now look at this carefully. Observe to do it, that it may be well with thee. That's a picture of something. That's a picture of, are y'all listening? Say amen. I'll give you Charles Stanley. That's a picture of something. That means if I obey what he says, there's blessing. Do y'all know that obedience always leads to blessing? Boy, y'all are sitting, that, not enough of you said amen right there. Do you understand obedience always leads to blessing? But I'll tell you this, when you, listen, when you choose to live in a life of disobedience to the word of God, I can tell you, my friend, it, it, listen, that's a curse as Deuteronomy 28.1 says. The Bible teaches us that there is a prosperity when you walk in obedience to his command. And that prosperity is a life that's carrying out, living under the lordship of Christ, under the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, he can do with you at that moment what you could never do in and of yourself. The word of God's a faithful word, but it is also a faithful way. And I'll tell you, look what else it says in verse three. It says that you may increase mightily. Boy, I like that. That means greatly multiply. That means when God's on, boy, I'm about to have a spell. When God's on you, you'll have the power of God on you. And that's unmistakable when God's power is resting on the man or woman of God. There'll be something unusual and seasoned of glory when the power of God is resting on you. But I'll tell you something Lester Roloff said years ago. He said, you'll never walk in the will of God walking outside of the word of God. You've got to be walking in his word. It is a faithful word for a faithful way. The Bible gives us a picture tonight of that truth that is found. It's found in the word of God. But let me show you a second thing tonight. Not only is it truth found, it's a truth that's formed. Now understand, this truth is formed up in you. You realize when God's people go home, this book should not just become something that lays on a desk or takes up a space. This ought to be a working part of who you are. This ought to be everything. Listen, if this ought to tell the story of who you are, the word of God, when the truth of God is formed in the believer, something changes that cannot be described. So we ask the question, where is truth found? It's the word of God. Let's ask the question tonight, how is truth formed? How is truth formed? Well, let's notice what the word of God says. Notice, first of all, in verses four and five, we're to be loving the Lord God. You are to be loving the Lord God. Look at verse four, if you will. Now, when you read verse four, this is awesome. Four and five are awesome. Well, it's all awesome. You know, the whole Bible's awesome. Amen. While we're on the subject. <laughs> Amen. Look what it says in verse four. It says, hear, O Israel. He says, the Lord our God, he is one Lord. You understand, that, that's the picture for us tonight. 
Muhammad's not the God. Buddha's not the God. Confucius, all the clerics, all the religious leaders, popes are not the God. There's only one God. And his name is Jesus Christ. This is the one true God. And when you call out to him, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, look, folks, this is the one God. When you call on him, he's the one who will answer. It's just like Mike said Sunday morning, when he called on Elijah, when Elijah called on God, he let them jokers call on them better part of the day. And he said, are y'all finished? He says, soak the wood. And he called on the God who answers by fire. And that God sent fire from heaven. Why? Because the Bible says he's the one true God. The text says we're to be loving that God. Look at verse five. It says, and thou shalt love the Lord. I want you to see this. Thy God with all thine heart, thy soul, and thy might. Now, Now get this, write this in your margin. This is a confession of faith. I'm going to say that again. It's like two time zones in here. It's a confession of faith. That means what I believe. The Bible teaches us tonight, this is something that the parents taught the children. They sat them down and said, we're going to love the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. We're going to love this God, the God. The Bible teaches us tonight, the parents were teaching them to love God. Parents, we got to teach them to love Jesus. You got to teach them to love Jesus. Now, just hang with me. You think about that. And I'm just going to tell you tonight, all this comes under one real heading. And until you settle this matter, nothing, I repeat, nothing is ever going to be different. The Lordship of Christ. Who's running the show? And the Bible teaches us tonight, listen, they were to love the Lord God. That means with all your heart, soul, and mind, that means everything you got, I'm loving him with everything that I am. Emir Kanner the president of Truett McConnell in our great state of Georgia said this, our role as fathers is to be the theologian of our home, to teach our children that Christ, I love this, is unrivaled both in who he is and what he has done. For if we as fathers are not fully settled, immovable in our faith, our children will be unsettled in their faith and persuaded by the changing times. So how, does the, how do you counteract that as a parent tonight? How do you counteract what the culture is bombarding with you with right now? You just sit them down and you as a father, because I'm telling you tonight, God's given you daddy an authority from heaven. You are the leader. You're the pastor. You're the priest. You're the provider of that family. And you have the right to sit down and say, son, daughter, He's the Lord God of heaven. He's a good God. He's never done us wrong. He's always faithful in every way. And when the world has walked out, he'll be there a friend who sticketh closer than a brother. He'll be the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. He is a faithful friend. Oh, he is wonderful in every way. That's what you teach them. I can say this tonight in a packed house in South Carolina, not a one of you can stand up 
and say, God's ever done you anything but right. He's never done anything but good through his grace and mercy. I'm telling you tonight, when you begin to think about that, listen, you, we're living in a cold generation. I've never seen a colder generation that typifies Matthew 24, where the Bible says the love of many would wax cold. Our hearts are Laodicean. They are, listen, they're just lukewarm and existing. I'm telling you tonight, we need a revival to blow into the homes and into the hearts of daddies and show our children that he is the Lord God of heaven. Amen. Amen. The Bible says we're to love that, that Lord God. He is the one. You know what we ought to love when we love him? We ought to love what he loves. This is taught. We ought to love his worship. That means you ought to love his house. We ought to love his work. That means you ought to love to serve him. We ought to love his will. You ought to be going after souls. You ought to be going after the lost because that's the heart of God for the local New Testament church. I'm telling you, my friend, when you get in love with Jesus, you start lifting him up in your life and then in your home and then in your church. Oh, you'd be amazed at what happens. Listen, it'll warm things up. It'll get things going. God, listen, God will do what only God can do and we'll all stand back and we'll just say to God be the glory, great things he has done. The Bible says we are loved that Lord God. We're to be loving him. Look at verse five again. Look at it closely. You are to love him. The Bible says in verse two, you are to fear him. That's reverence, the reverence that is due a holy God. So we're to be loving the Lord God, but there's a second thing right here. You're to be listening to the law of God. You're to be listening to the law of God. Look what the text says now in verse number six. Well, I love it. This is where it gets good right here. And we'll get to the next verse, and I'll tell you, this is where it gets good right here. <laughs> Look at verse six. Notice what the text says tonight. It says now, and these words. He says, which I command thee this day. Now, I want you to look at this. They shall be where, church? I didn't hear you. They should be where? In your heart. I, I, I'll hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee, okay? The Bible says, how shall a young man cleanse his ways? By hiding the word in his heart. So we're not just to hold the word. We're not just to have the word. Hey, you're to hide the word. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This was something that was big in my house. I grew up in a ministry home. I, I, listen, I've been there. I, I was a drug addict. By the time I was 12, I was drugged every Baptist church in the state of Georgia, sat right there on the front row. But I'm going to tell you something. My daddy died in June of January of 2017. We buried him. Let me tell you how we were raised. We were raised about a few miles outside of downtown Atlanta, Georgia. We were members and he served a church in Doraville, Georgia under Dr. Harold Kilpatrick, a soul winning church. I never saw a Sunday in that church where God didn't do something. We saw people baptized, families changed because it is true. When Jesus comes, lives are changed and homes are rearranged. We saw it all the time. Well, I can tell you what, it wasn't just lip service. It wasn't just a show. It wasn't just an act. It wasn't just this religious pomp and piety that people put on when they come and sit in pews every Sunday in and Sunday out. Oh no, we lived this thing. Let me tell you how we lived it. When we were at our dinner table at 2465 Pine Lake Road, Tucker, Georgia, we grabbed hands before we ate and we said, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all hanging on? It didn't matter if you were in the confines of the kitchen or if you were in the most crowded restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. That waiter could set that food down and he could say, brother, can I pray for you about anything? And they'd have exchange. Then he'd say, children, let's get hands. We'd get hands and in the middle of that restaurant, it could be as loud or it, or it could be quiet. And you could say, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. He didn't take his New Testament out. He didn't lay his Schofield on the table. We Listen, he had that hidden in his heart. We hid the word in our heart. I'm telling you something tonight, parents, for yourself and for your children, you'd better come back to scripture memorization. You better come back to not just memorizing verses, but chapters and listen, and the, the, the great thing of the word of God because there's gonna come a day and time in your life, it'll come in my life when you'll have God Christ in the Bible and nothing else. There'll be nothing a man can say that will help you. There'll be nothing a man can do that will lift you. There'll be nothing a doctor can do that will do for you. But bless God, you can come back to the old psalmist where he said, I cried out to the Lord and he heard this poor man and saved him out of his trouble. I can tell you tonight, the word of God will be there when no one else is. Is, but you better hide it in your heart. It better be hidden right here where nobody can see. The Bible teaches us in verse six, it says in verse seven, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Fathers tonight, this is the responsibility that rests upon our shoulders. It's the responsibility of presenting, preserving, and passing down the truth. Can I ask you a question tonight? What's your testimony, daddy? What's your testimony tonight? Because here's what I can tell you. There's gonna come a day that they're gonna roll you down one of these aisles right here in a wooden box. And here's what I can tell you, Father. Your testimony will be sealed in eternity right there. There'll be nothing you can say at that moment to change it. There'll be nothing you can do in that moment to reverse it. What has been done is done. And in that moment, we will find out what you live for. We will find out who you live for. We will find out exactly what you gave yourself to. And there'll be no denying it at that time. Oh, I'm telling you tonight, coffins have a way of uncovering lives and nothing can be done. I've watched people in funeral homes mull around a box trying to think of something good to say and they can't come up with it because a man that dies, listen, when he dies, that testimony is set in stone. And I'm telling you tonight, bless God, I'm an old-fashioned preacher, and I just believe this, Chad. Men die like they live. They die just like they live. And when they're sitting, listen, laying in that coffin, speechless and can say nothing, their life has already been lived, their testimony has already been let out, and there's nothing that can be done about it at that moment. So here's what I can tell you tonight, Dad. You might be number one with the banker. You might be number one at the business. You might be number one down at the ball field. You might be number one in all these places. And I can say this, you might fool your pastor, but you won't fool the master. He knows everything about you. And you listen, tonight, 
Your children know you better than anyone. They know tonight whether you really live for God. They know tonight whether you really love God. They know tonight whether you really want them to prosper in the things of God. And I'm just telling you tonight, Moses thought it was important then. Bless God, I'm telling you, it's important tonight. What you do with God's word is going to determine the future of the family that he has given you. The Bible says, listen, this is the responsibility. This indicates to us tonight that every waking and walking moment, listen to this, we're to be teaching the word of God and its principles in our home to our families. Watch this, now don't miss this, through our words and through our actions. I can't say this enough. You, you, you've got fathers that just don't care. You, you'll take them to the ball field before you'll bring them to the house of God. You'll cart them down there to the temple of the rec department at the altar of home plate with the umpire being the only judge they'll ever know, and yet they're going to step out into eternity and meet the God of this Bible, and they'll be totally unprepared for it. And all the while, you thought you did them some kind of service. I can tell you this tonight. Listen, they may never hit a curveball. They may never hit a fastball. That's really irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, what do they know about you and what they know about you? There's a good chance they're gonna know about this book. Hey, let me tell you something, church. That's the truth. Truth is formed. You have to form that truth in the lives of your children. You gotta say this right here. The, the children are being discipled. Y'all know that? They're being discipled right now. Your student pastor's got nothing to do with it. Chad's got nothing to do with it. Brad's got nothing to do with it. They are actively, listen, militantly being discipled right now. And they are, let, listen, they will not let up. And I will not either, okay? They're being discipled. And the most foolish thing that I hear fathers and mothers say is this. Well, I'm not gonna press my beliefs on them. You're not gonna do what? You, you, well, I, I don't, don't oh. <laughs> You got to tell me that one more time. Well, preacher, I, we're just, we're just not as excited as you about it. Well, no kidding. <laughs> we, we're just not going to press our beliefs on our children. It, we, you know, here it is. Listen, pastor, maybe you don't know. They have a mind of their own. You're kidding me. It, it, it don't it skip over my five? I don't know, but they, they have a mind of their own. He's the, yes, and, I, and I just, we're not gonna press our beliefs on them. Church family, Mount Pisgah, that's the most foolish thing you can say. You know why? Because there's an entire culture don't mind doing it one bit. They say, we're not going to press our beliefs on the children now. Well, I tell you what, when they walk in and say, well, I don't know if I'm a boy or girl. Do you understand 
John Wesley came with me tonight. He's 12, bright, man, he's intellectual, probably gonna be president or something, I'm sure. I believe that, buddy. But he doesn't even get to choose what seat he sits in. <laughs> Enough about that. <laughs> Much less is gender. You're, you're in a culture of confusion that's an absolute collapse and chaos. And the reason is, is because God's people who at one time, you believe this book, you held the standard, and then one day, and this is what happens, preacher, and I'm just gonna say it because I may not pass this way again. I've watched parents who held rip-rock convictions about something, then their child will get involved with it, and they'll drop those convictions like a hot rock and become a compromiser before your very eyes and say something like this. I don't know how it happened. We're not gonna press our beliefs on our children. Well, you didn't read Deuteronomy 6. So I'm gonna come back to the beginning. Where did I get my information? I got it from the Word of God. The Bible, I gotta move on. The Bible says, listen, children are being discipled. Listen, no matter what you think. So let me ask you this question, fathers. When are you gonna show up? When are you gonna speak up? When are you gonna stand up? When are you gonna be heard in your home for the gospel of Christ? I wanna ask a question tonight, and this is a heartbreaking question. How many, how many children in this room tonight and in that nursery section and in that student section have never heard their father speak audible truth into their ears? What a shame. Because the world's speaking lies into it every day. When is the father going to come? I know more fathers that can name the first nine on the Braves lineup. They can name the schedule for Georgia or Clemson. They can name the 22 men. They can give you his 40. They can tell you how much he cleans. They can tell you everything, but can't quote three verses of scripture in consecutive order. That's a hard truth, but it's the truth. And we wonder why we've woke up in this progressive mindset that's going on in our world. It's because we didn't take the word of God and press the word of God on our children. I'm telling you, parents, it's not too late. You can do it right now, but you gotta do it. The Bible teaches us, listen, you can no longer take a passive approach in your relationship with Christ or your family. Me and Cheryl made a decision a long time ago, honey. Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know what everybody else is going to do. I don't know what they're going to do at Mercer. I don't know what they're going to do at Emory. I don't know what they're going to do at the Southern Baptist Seminary. Uh, listen, it may not be settled in those regions, but bless God, it's settled in heaven and settled in my heart. We will serve the Lord God of heaven. The Bible says we must transfer this truth. I got to hurry on. Look what it says now in verse 6. It says, these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Watch verse seven. Now I'm gonna give you, this is simple right here. You want you to write this down. First of all, you're to teach the truth. Watch this, that's instruction. That's instruction. Look what it says in verse seven. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Okay, y'all got that? Say amen. amen. We're to teach it, that's instruction. Look at the second thing you're to do. You're to talk the truth. That's conversation. So we have instruction. Now, everybody got that? So we have instruction. We talk about the word of God. 
Then after we've had instruction, man, then we have a little conversation. (laughs) Boy, wasn't that good? Yes, sir. Me and John Wesley, we had a great time last year. We rode to school every day. We read Pilgrim's Progress every day. Man, listen, we just had the best time talking about it. Conversation. Look what the text says in verse seven. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sit in thine house and when thou walk by the way, when thou liest down and when thou rise up. So that means this, I'm gonna give it to you, and this is Tucker language right here. That's all the time. That's every waking moment you're to be transferring that truth to them. You're to teach the truth. That's instruction. You're to talk the truth. That's conversation. But look at this next one. You gotta take the truth. And friend, that's direction. You know, the word of God will change your direction. Do y'all know that? Aren't you thankful? God's word changed my direction one day. See what you instruct them with and what you talk about, they're gonna take. They took these little small parchments, rolled up, and they kept them things with them. They kept them. The word of God. But look at the next thing. You're to tell the truth. Hey, that's my conviction. So there's instruction, there's conversation, there's direction, there's conviction. All shaped, formed by the word of God. Notice what the text says in verse nine. It says, they'll be frontless between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. That's like the hinge on the door. I read this, Chad, so check me. They, they put the truth on that hinge, so that meant the door of their home swung on truth. Oh, God, help us tonight. Let the door of my home swing on the truth form to the word of God. The Bible says we must be diligent taking the truth. Well, we must be vigilant teaching the truth. I'm gonna give you this. I'm almost done. You gotta teach them how to think. That don't sit well with people now. It's everybody ought to be a free thinker. Will you go ahead and see how that that fits for you? You gotta teach them how to think. I can promise you, when I was 12, 15, 16, 18, 50, I couldn't think right. Somebody gotta teach me how to think. You know how you teach your children how to think right? Family of God, with the word of God. This book, this book, this book, this book. There's truth found, the Bible. There's truth formed. But let me just give you this last thing. There's truth furthered. Now here's where it gets good. You gotta further it. You gotta hand it down. You know what they call this in my world, our world? That's called leaving a legacy. Because here's the bottom line. You're leaving something. It's just a matter of what. I did a funeral Monday of a lady that came to our fellowship 
Been in that community forever. Some ladies, were bring, they were coming back from Brunswick on a little trip, and they got told about we do Wednesday in the Word on Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock. Man, we have folks in there, we just have a great time. They were told, they said, man, it was good, it was this, it was that, and they looked at her, Chad, and they said, you ought to come with us. You know what she said to them? I was just sitting here waiting on you to ask me. She started coming. And I don't say this with disrespect, so please, I'm not being anything other than just totally truthful with the, with the situation. When you announce the text in the Bible, she had to go to the concordance to find where that was. Now, you won't talk about blessing a preacher. You say, well, how'd that bless you? Because half of them don't even bring them. At least she's hunting it. And I can tell you this, you get to hunting enough, the Holy Spirit will help you find it. <laughs> you ain't gotta worry about it because he's looking when you weren't, so just know that. And she got looking. One day, she asked me questions. She's diagnosed with cancer. A week after that, she said, I wanna talk to you. And I said, will you just come on? And a dear lady and one of my men that drives me to revivals everywhere, his wife, got, and they brought her to my office. She sat down and she said, I've gone to church in my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian environment, but I've gone to church. She said, I've heard a lot of things. This will bless a preacher too. She said, but I ain't, I ain't never heard what you said. Somebody's gotta be saved. I said, yes, ma'am, you gotta be born again. Except a man be born again. Except you be born again tonight. You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. In two minutes, I took my New Testament and I showed her through the word of God and she bowed her head and she got saved. That, yeah, you give God praise for that, that's right. Let me tell you what happened. God gave her two and a half years. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what I saw in that two and a half years. And I said this at her funeral Monday. I said, I've never seen a change like I saw in that dear lady. God changed her heart. He changed her life. There's only one way that can happen, the Word of God. What do we gotta do? We've found the truth, we've formed the truth, now we gotta hand down the truth. Look at verse 17, we must consistently handle the truth. Look what the Bible says, ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. Y'all see that? We are to consistently handle the truth. What does that mean? That means diligently, that's the key, live it out. I'm gonna say this one more time. When you get down here in this casket, your testimony's sealed. What's your testimony now? What do your, what do your children know about you, fathers? and mothers. They know it. Don't, don't think for a minute they don't know it. They know it. They know whether you're really, really, really living the truth. They know it. These kids know it. 
They know it. What legacy are you leaving tonight? Because here's what I promise you. It can all change right here. Your whole destiny can change right now. Consistently handle the truth, and I want to show you lastly, we're to intentionally hand down the truth. Look at verse two again. Go back to the top. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I commanded thee. Here it is. Here's that handing down. Thou, thy son, thy son's sons, watch all the days of thy life that thy days may be prolonged. We're to hand down the truth of God's word. Now listen to me carefully. I just can't help myself, Chad. Do y'all know the basis of all education is redemption? I'm gonna say that to y'all a minute. The basis of all education that you give your children is redemption. I'm gonna say it one more time. The basis of all the education you teach to your children has the, has the foundation of redemption. Amen. Yeah, y'all getting it now. Yes. Y'all just getting it because you're ready to leave. Listen to me. You say, preacher, how you know that? I love it when Jesus walks up into a text. I love it when you look up and there he is. Look, at the, look what the text says in verse 20. And when thy son asketh thee, <laughs> in time to come, that's the future, saying, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Look at verse 21 and get ready to shout. He says, then you shall say unto your son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen. He says, in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great sore upon Egypt and upon Pharaoh and upon the household, his household. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Before our eyes. One generation sees it, the next generation hears it, and typically the third generation forgets it. You'd better hand it down just like it happened. And here's what they said. Look what he said in verse 23. He brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. And the Bible says, to a land which he swear unto our fathers. Now this is 40 years from when that happened. Now if you'll just go with me, we'll close this thing up. They said... Daddy, what's the meaning of this? He said, son, sit down, let me tell you. Heard it from your granddaddy. Him and his people were in Egypt. They were in bondage for 400 years. That's a picture of being lost tonight. They were under the heavy hand of a taskmaster. But God raised up a deliverer, and his name was Moses. That's a type of the Lord Jesus. 
And he said, Moses came and he said, we're getting out of here. This king's gonna let us go. And him and Aaron went up there before the Pharaoh and one plague after another, whether it was lice or flies or frogs or blood. And every time the Bible says he hardened his heart more. See, you're in this room tonight and you're hardening your heart right now. God can save you. And he said, then came that last one. And God commanded Moses to go back to Pharaoh and said, there won't be any more after this one. And he said, tonight, the death angel's coming. And he's gonna pass through the land. He's gonna execute judgment on the, everyone from the palace to the prison right down to every animal, to the pagan gods they worshiped. God will speak. And he said, you will let us go. Old Pharaoh said, Chad, he said, I won't see your face no more. And he said, you're right, you're not gonna see my face anymore. It's the last time. He said, son, My granddaddy said, your granddaddy said, he came back and he said, every man get a lamb. And he said, you take that lamb, a spotless lamb. You take that lamb, an innocent lamb, and you shed his blood. And he said, son, in the homes of Egypt that night, there was a mass slaughter of lambs. And he said, that blood, that precious blood, you see the life of the flesh is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. He said, you take that blood, that token, that type, that testimony of the blood of the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And he said, son, they put that blood on the doorpost on the right and on the left and on the top. And he said, they got behind the door and they waited because the command of God had been given, but the compassion of God had been shown that if I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. And he said, son, we huddled up in that house that night because the word of God had been spoken to the man of God. And at that night at midnight, the death angel passed over Egypt and every firstborn in every home where there was no blood, that firstborn died. He said, but son, I'll tell you about these testimonies. I'll tell you about these judgments. I'll tell you about this book. He said, those of us 
that were behind the blood. We were dining in perfect safety, living in perfect peace and tranquility, singing, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. And we were safe under the blood of the lamb. I'm telling you tonight, the education that your children need, the education your family must have is the education that there is a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. Praise God. You leave them the gospel. How Christ died for your sins according to the scripture was buried and raised again. That's the gospel. And that gospel is good tonight and it'll save you tonight. Friend, I want to tell you, he loves you. He cares deeply for you. He's kind, caring, and compassionate. He's reaching towards you right now. It's just a matter of what you will do. I'm telling you tonight, there's a change. You'll leave something that'll outlive you. Praise the Lord. You know, it's around July of 1920. My grandmother and my granddaddy had been to a Brush Arbor meeting at Corinth Church in Stone Mountain, Georgia, right inside of the mountain, just right there. And in that meeting that night, they gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. He was 16 and she was 14. She was pregnant with her first child who was to be born in November. And I heard him tell it on reel-to-reel tape. He said, I rode that old buggy home that night on that dirt road, that 78 highway, that dirt road. And he said, them, them wheels were spinning. He said, it was as if they were singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. And he said, we went home in that little house that night, right out there on Jack's Creek, right off 78 highway. And we knelt down and said, God, we don't have much, but what we have is yours. And our children will be yours. As housekeeping would pick up, second from the last child was Mackie. That was my father. He was born again July 15, 1972. It passed. September 3rd, 1993, he led me to Christ. It passed again. Three of my children and now daughter-in-law are sitting right here. And they know Jesus Christ as their Savior. You, your son, and your son's son. That truth has got to be furthered. I love you, Mount Pisgah. This has been a help for me. Because what I believe is this. God can change the world from this place right here. Right here. Right here. And he can do it with this book. Can you hang, can you hold just one second? And lives will be changed. And when a life's changed, everything's different. And you can say, I went back to the house where I used to live. 
My little boy ran and hid behind the door. And I said, son, you don't have to be afraid. You got a new daddy now. And thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I used to be. Thanks to Calvary, things are different than before. As the tears rolled down my face, I tried to tell them Thanks to Calvary, we don't live here anymore. And I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. You, you, can be, you can be free tonight. Let me tell you what you have to do to be saved. Y'all listening carefully, be lost. That's all you gotta be. And Christ will save you. If you're in this room tonight, Daddy, I wanna speak to you first because you're leading it. How are you leading them tonight? Revival in this church will be contingent on how you lead your family because the church is only as strong as its families that sit in its pews. So fathers, maybe tonight will be a great time for a newfound just freshness of the power of God on your life. You may be a father here tonight and you've never been saved. You play. I didn't know the song you were playing, so I didn't sing it. <laughs> you may be in this room tonight and you've never been saved. Front row to the back row of the balcony. You're not here by accident. God's brought you here tonight by a divine appointment. He wants to save you right here. And he wants to make a testimony for your family right now. And friend, that can be a reality right in this place. So I'm just gonna ask you to step out and come see his preacher. Say, preacher, I need to get saved tonight. He knows what to do, you just come on. But I'm gonna ask God's people to just get in this altar and just say, God, just pour out your spirit on us and let us be people that walk the truth daily as a reality of redemption. Father, thank you for this time we've had. Jesus, you've just met with us tonight. I ask you to just move on this invitation now. If there's one here that needs to be saved, save them tonight. If there's a father here that needs to be right with his family, let him be right tonight. If there's a person in this room in backslidden state, bring them home tonight. Let dads be counted for righteousness tonight. That's my prayer. Let moms come with them. Let children get around them that they may live and they may lead the life you have called them to live and lead. Walk with us in this invitation tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.